tonight on Hops and Box Office Flops, I've got six weeks to turn Clement von Frankenstein, a.k.a. Wolfgang McLeod, a.k.a. the irate lover, into the prom queen. Can I do it? Let's find out. Hops and Box Office Flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. So we're back on Hops and Box Office Flops, brought to you by RevengeOfTheFans.com, and we are continuing our coming-of-age movies with She's All That. You know what they say, there's more to attraction than meets the eye. Well, I don't know who says that, but the poster did. So what'd you think? She's All That. Just immediate reaction, aside from best love story ever told. This was tough to watch. Because you were so invested in the their burgeoning relationship you're kind of a weirdo but you have to admit there's some scenes that you just can't watch like i had to mute some there is uh this there's some things that didn't age well about this movie and we'll kind of get into that as we didn't age well it was so uncomfortable watching Uh, him hacky sack the entire premise of the movie didn't age well to be fair oh so okay Uh, i didn't write a i didn't write a plot my plot summary but i got one if you want it i just okay first of all We'll start with, we're breaking a trend here, because this movie was not a flop. I want you to just take a stab at how much money this okay, movie made. it's either a flop or panned by critics, right? One of those two Yeah, things. and it, it didn't get great reviews. But yeah. Oh, shocking. How much money do you think this made? How much did it cost first? Uh, it cost $7 million. So, 50? Gross $103 million worldwide. <laughs> oh, my God. It won its opening weekend. Uh, no horseshit, Jack. That's the truth. That said, 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's way too high. So that hits one of the parameters. And another parameter is we like movies that are terrible. And I love this movie. I've is that it. higher than Take Me Home Tonight? Oh, yeah, by 13%. It, doesn't that blow your mind? It blows my mind. But then again, people what in 1999 What do the Rotten Tomatoes scores mean? What does 40% mean? It's just like an average of good versus bad. So out of what the total gives it, reviews, What makes it good? Like they have to give it a what out of five for it to be good? So a critic will choose based upon their review whether they find it to be good so sometimes a three out of five is good sometimes it's bad it's a really flawed system the fact that there's no in-between review when if somebody thinks well the movie was okay but then they have to put it as negative or good and maybe you're conflicted one way or the other there should be a rating system that just says things you should do instead of watching this movie um play hacky sack i know Attend it's, local theater shows. It is it is okay for you to like bad movies. I understand that about you. I accept that as one of your traits. You can't watch this movie all the way through and be satisfied. Well, of course I can. Dude. It has a happy look, ending. <clears throat> how about how about the just the dance off at the end? How did you not turn away? So from what I understand, that wasn't in the original plans for the movie, and then they decided to add it. Now, as we discussed, I've only been to one high school dance, but I don't (laughs) recall it 
sort of evolving into this dance off. Unless the cha cha slide was playing, which has instructions, which didn't exist yet, or the electric slide. Yeah, this was just Usher, who I don't think goes to class ever. For some reason, they all break out to into the, in the dance from um, shit. Can't buy me love. Who yeah. does the African dance? <laughs> uh, this movie shares some things in common with Can't Buy Me Love, but we'll. I don't want to spoil that yet. No, Can't Buy Me Love is actually good. Yeah. So this movie stars, obviously, Freddie Prince Jr., who was a real big thing at the time. Rachel Lee Cook, who didn't really turn into a thing. Matthew Lillard, everybody's favorite. America's sweetheart, Matthew Lillard. Paul Walker, among other rising stars. Directed by Robert Iscove. You left out so many great actors. Oh, yeah. There's a lot. Tim Matheson, Kevin Pollack, Dulé Hill from Psych. Your Boy with Hearing Aids. Uh, Kieran Culkin, Little Kim, who Little Kim, uh, Gabrielle Union. Union. Were you gonna say Dwayne Wade's wife? Yeah, because I couldn't remember her name. The chick from uh, True Blood. Did you say her? Yeah, Anna Paquin. So I mean, this movie's just full of people who became more famous than the stars of the movie, or were already more famous than the a lot stars of, talent, of the movie. Little writing. So Robert Iscove did a lot of TV movies, most notably Romeo and Juliet on Ice. And I only say most notably because it stuck out to me when I read his IMDb. <laughs> he also directed another Freddie Prinze movie, Boys and Girls, which co-starred Jason Biggs. Do we need and to watch that? the smash hit from Justin to Kelly. Oh, the American Idol movie? Yeah. So he did do a lot of TV movies. So he had a pretty prolific career in He TV wrote this film. or directed it? He directed it. Who wrote it? Like uh, a, I don't remember the guy's name, but I have a true-false about it, so we'll get there. Uh, first off, though, we paired this with Northwest Brewing Co.'s Hoppy Bitch because Freddie Prinze's ex-girlfriend, Taylor Vaughn, is an awful human being, and I thought the beer fit. An absolute sociopath in this movie. She is Compared horrific. to Paul Walker, who's a psychopath. Yeah. <clears throat> I found another beer called Horny Devil from Alesmith, but it wasn't available in the area. And that would have been themed for Dean Sampson. So description. One sentence. This was from Stars where I watched it. The big man on campus wagers that he can transform a nerd girl into a stunner in time for senior prom, but he never meant to fall in love with her. So uh, give me your description. Hold on. I got a lot of questions for you. You read that from Stars? Stars. Where you stars. watched it? Yeah. Presumably for free? Oh, for free. I paid to rent this, <laughs> you dick. Why didn't you tell me you had stars and that I could borrow your password? You never asked. Yeah, it's because last time I asked you if this was on anything, it was on like a Fitbit with commercials every three minutes. What did we watch Major League on? That was on Ouija? Crackle. Crackle? <laughs> Crackle. What was the other one? Tubi. Moby? You suck. All right. Here, here's my... Here's Moby, my... That, Moby, that's a good name for a streaming service. And then its tagline is... We're all made of stars. The fact that you you can recall a Moby song is... Uh, I just up, saw him the other night on a real time. Did, did with you? With Bill Maher, yeah. He, why uh, why looked, was he on a real time? Uh, he wrote a book about something. I, can't, I think it was about... He was a big thing with like uh, how uh, grass-fed animals are contributing to the destruction of the environment. Uh, something, something, something. It was a couple of weeks ago, so I kind of forgot. Moby's most famous for being in an Eminem lyric. Well, and he had a couple. I, I mean, he made nope. some platinum albums, nope. didn't he? I'm correct. All right, here you go. So, yeah, hit me. What here's, you got? Here's the summary for this movie. It's a 
more recent trading places, and more racist. There's no way this is more racist than trading places. Okay. We can't have a conversation about this while we're being recorded, but it is, and you know it is. This movie has some insensitivities. Some insensitivities? Quite a few. Yeah. Good Lord. It, It is the exact same plot as trading places. Just replace... Two rich white guys with, well, two rich white guys. <laughs> uh, and an African-American homeless man on a skateboard with a super hot hipster. Yeah, that, that's one of the big issues with the with the film and the premise entirely is that at no point in time is she unattractive. There's a scene where they start picking out, are we going to go through like scene by scene of the movie? Uh, we'll go through some. I don't want to, I mean, there's really not that many good scenes in the film. <laughs> But I do want to discuss, obviously, the party, a lot of Brock Hudson stuff, Matthew Lillard. Brock Hudson sounds like a a hard-boiled detective from a mystery novel. Yeah. Go ahead. What was your plot summary? So I said, in a film full of intolerable entitled asshats, the prick from the real world is somehow the least obnoxious one of the bunch. Yeah. These are like, there's nobody. (laughs) Lainey's fine, the girl that she's all that. Her brother's fine. Her dad's fine. Zach Seiler, for the most part, is okay, but he's a crybaby. Uh, Dulé Hill, I forget his character name, but he's probably the nicest guy in the whole movie. Everybody else is awful. They're all just awful people. How about... Usher's fine, I guess, but he doesn't go to class ever. It's like he just lives in the DJ booth. How about the fact that his dad is just typecast as the dad that wants his son to go to college? Otter did really well for himself. Van Wilder? Isn't he the dad from Van yeah. Wilder that wants his son to graduate? Otter from Faber College goes on to Dartmouth. Can't get his lazy son to do anything. There's, I feel like he's another college dad in something. This movie's terrible. Uh, I think our, be- our the best IMDb user review I could find sums this movie up really well. Just the entire premise of it. It says, high school jock number one gets dumped by his prom queen to be Doe. So the fool bets that he can make a replacement out of the geekiest girls in school. And this is one hell of a geek. For a start, she doesn't like dumb macho jocks. No, really. And listen, you're going to love this. She wears glasses. You wrote this? I know. And the first time we see her, she trips over on the stairs. What a total geek of the week, man-eating psycho commie mutant, huh? Let's all point at her and laugh. Psycho commie mutant is something you've absolutely said before. Luckily, he redeems her by making her wear contact lenses and pretty dresses. Soon she'll be just like everyone else. Hallelujah. God, I hate my generation. Thank you, Travis McBeal, for that review. <laughs> I Just dead on. He seems pretty chill. We should give him a yeah, call. I mean, cool, cool dude. very sarcastic review, but very correct review. This movie is so poorly written, shot, and acted that I thought, like, in the first five minutes it was satire. There's some brutal dialogue. He fuck. He walks into school. Freddie Prince Jr. walks into school in his letterman's jacket. Yep. Stops and looks at a picture of himself on a wall yep. in his letterman's Frame. jacket. Same jacket. And then walks away. Uh, question. What am I supposed to... What? Were you not cool enough to have a picture of yourself framed on your high school wall? Not even close, man. Uh, me either. But does a person that gets into Yale, Harvard, and Dartmouth act like that? Uh, does the person who gets into Yale, Harvard, and Dartmouth 
wear a letterman's jacket and then walk and stare at themselves, stare at their own picture. First, like, oh, let's talk a about a very it. intense stare. I have a problem with the dialogue. He's got the fourth best GPA in his class. Yeah. That's not Harvard material. Well, well, what? I think what what the main I think what the sequel would have probably delved into was how Tim Matheson had paid off a lot of these colleges to no. get his son in. He only wanted him to go to Dartmouth. That was his alma mater. That was yeah, but you gotta you gotta play you. it safe. And then it turns out his aunt his aunt is Aunt Becky. Why'd you go from aunt to aunt? Aunt aunt. You say aunt or aunt? I say both. That's, obviously, that's unacceptable. So that's like the hidden, you know. What could have been if there's a sequel? What was the the spoof of all these like te- not another not teen another movie? teen movie, which I think this directly could... spoofs many scenes from this movie, including the African American friend's hair. Uh, I don't I I don't think I've seen that. I just remember Mister. Well, I've seen it, but I don't remember much. And I remember Mister T was like. Here's why this is more racist than the Trading janitor. Places. The racism in Trading Places is direct and in your face. It is intentional. The racism in this is very subtle. Like, they don't want people to realize they're being racist. There's a rap scene well, there's between a yeah. two black dudes rapping about the plot of the movie, and they even say the title of the movie in it. Well, that That's the most is... lines any of these black actors have is that freestyle battle. The, a lot of them are just kind of there, yeah. The, this, this movie... Uh, again, I thought it was satire and then realized it wasn't and had to stop watching certain scenes because I cringed. It reminded me of uh, the Scott's Tots episode of Office Space or uh, The Office. It's not that bad. It's bad. What are you talking about? But that movie's like that, that episode's like literally uncomfortable where this is just poorly written to the point where I mean, it's not really worth watching. I like it. If you can't walk, if you can actually sit through that whole art scene where they go to her art show and then he does hacky sack, there's something wrong with you. That's not even the problem with that scene. The problem with that scene is the blatant stunt double who they, who they for some reason show the full body of twice. And it's clearly not Freddie Prince Jr. And I wanted to ask you, is that a better or worse stunt double than Raiden's? Oh, well, he has a different haircut. The one Raiden's when they used um, what's that? Ray Park. No, the tall broad's name, Flava Flav's girlfriend. Oh, Brigitte Nielsen. <laughs> Brigitte Nielsen. The stunt double in the hacky sack scene is okay. unbelievable. I'm gonna go through some things here. I, if you're gonna keep defending this movie, I'm just gonna start reading stuff off to you. I'm not gonna defend it. Okay. I'm just gonna start saying lines from the movie. I have total diet coke mouth. <laughs> Go on. I did laugh when he described uh, Matthew Lillard as the dyslexic volleyball guy from the real world. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Guess he had dyslexia. Uh, it was kind of funny when she was getting that tattoo on spring break and he was getting a tattoo of himself and under it just and said, it said me. me. My question is, would you ever get a tattoo from a guy driving around an airbrushed van? Uh, yes. <laughs> How about the fact that Usher just announces people's breakups as a student at school. Again, what does he do all day? Aside from not wear undershirts. Okay, here we go. I brought this up to you. So I turned subtitles on at a certain point in this movie. When they're making the bet about him turning her into the prom queen, um, they're 
the dude from Psych, the black friend from Psych, what's his name? Dule Hill. Dule Hill says something to Paul Walker, and then Paul Walker fires right back at him, basically trying to call him a sissy. But he says a bunch of words and then goes, and then you could be my mom. And I didn't understand what he said. I rewound it three times. And then I finally turned subtitles on because I really wanted to hear what he said. He said, and I quote, a fifth of Chivas and a uterus, and you could be my mom. Chivas is scotch, by the way. (laughs) I'm pretty sure. So one, his mom is pretty hardcore. She's drinking a fifth of scotch. And scotch and uterus is all you need to be his mom. That's a real weird line. I don't know what that says about his mother, but... It says Apparently whoever, she's a hard drinker. Whoever wrote this movie is a psychopath. They're looking around at the girls, and one chick's just picking her wedgie, and they say rectal archaeology. Yep. You going to defend that? No. I'm, I'm telling you, the dialogue is not great. Oh, is, is it not it's great? Not. Fat I can handle. Scary and inaccessible is another story. Yeah, that's when he chooses Laney. Uh-huh. That's a quote. Again, though. It's just like, give me a break. That's a quote. Yeah. That's a quote. Okay. Well, Fulton Reed has bleached hair. There's that. Let's see. Fulton Reed, a.k.a. Foggy Nelson from Daredevil. Oh, here's another racist part. When they're doing the uh, art show with Mitch, the dude from Wedding Singer. Yes, George from The Wedding Singer. There's two little people in it. One of them's black. They both have lines. Do you remember the black one's line? Nope. I want to be like Mike. Uh, no, he didn't say that. Yep. I can't believe you defend this movie. <laughs> I know the world has its problems, but would it kill you to smile once in a while? Hey, now. Check out the Bobos on Super Freak. <laughs> Was that uh, Dean Sampson when they're at the beach? I'm not done. Fulton, Fulton Reed, when they're on the phone and she doesn't want to go to the beach, he's talking trash about her dad playing Jeopardy. He goes, it's got to be better than you sitting there while your dad plays Jeopardy. Fulton Reed's doing a 1,000-piece puzzle on his table while he's do- saying that. Yeah, he, he's throwing some stones. It's unbelievable. Sure. I will say that I laughed at Kevin Pollock's answers to the Jeopardy questions. That's a stick he did in another movie, by Seriously? the way. <laughs> yeah, that I can't remember off the top, top of my head the name of it. But yeah. He, Paris. New Orleans. That sort of carried over from another movie. He what was is in. Shampoo? Or he guessed... Uh, Hewlett Packard and it was Gutenberg. Yeah, it, it was pretty. It was pretty solid. Kevin Pollock rules. Who you're, would you rather have as a dad? I'm not done. Matheson. Your vapor. <laughs> your spam. How about that scene when he just lets his ex dump a drink on her and then talk trash about her for like three full minutes and just watches the whole thing go down? He does nothing. Freddie Prince does not deserve to get the girl on the end of this movie. That is true. Okay, okay, chill, Tony Robbins. Here's another thing that really bothered me about this movie. They're supposed to be jocks. I believe the title even describes them as jocks. He's wearing a varsity jacket. They play soccer. Soccers are are jocks. Soccer players are jocks. No. Soccer players are not jocks that can tell bullies to eat their own pubes. That's not what soccer players are. Yes. The pube eating scene. Uh, Did you find it a little unnerving that they allowed the guy to be in the scene wearing a shirt with a gun that said kill all artists no i was in i didn't think that aged well at all things that didn't age stupid thing to have in a movie it seems insensitive oh not to mention uh, the girl who tells her to kill herself and she'll be a a more renowned artist if she just dies that was an aggressive 
that was super bullying. How about how about Macaulay Culkin's brother just rollerblading around offering people cracked pepper? Kieran Culkin. What is this movie? What is this movie? Well, uh, it's an endearing tale of finding love in a place you didn't think you'd ever look. I can't believe you said this was better than Can't Hardly Wait. All right, so I have a couple things because oh, you're yeah. you're obviously not in on this movie. Uh, going back to the hacky sack, who sweats that much playing hacky sack indoors? Don't. <laughs> Don't. Okay, forget the hacky sack. Uh, when she ditches him after the art show, he shows up at her house. Very weird move. Again. Uh, How does he know where she lives? Who knows? And he uses the term wiggage. Like you really wigged out. He uses it three times in three is that a, is that Was that a term from the 90s that I just forgot about? Wiggage? If you would have went to more school dances, you would have heard it more often. Listen, um, that's probably true. Maybe I was the one wigwamming or wiggaging. I'm super self-conscious about smacking my lips ever since you told me you have to keep editing. Oh that gosh, out. you're over there. It's like a, it's like a love talk show over there. I'm intentionally <laughs> drying my mouth out right now, and it actually kind of hurts to talk. All right, so Brock Hudson, MVP of the movie. Wasn't uh, Brock Hudson Mark Schlereth's name when he did the soap opera? Rock Hoover. That's pretty close. Uh, loves Rick James's "Give It to Me, Baby." It's his song. He D- makes the DJ play it at the party. And again, a scene that I cringed oh, at. That's so fantastic. How did you watch that scene? <laughs> Watching him dance still cracks me up. Um, oh, I have a question. Do you remember the girl that he he did like the air guitar hump kind of on her face, the blonde girl? Little little inappropriate, Brock. Was that Dak Shepard's wife? No, that was not Kristen. Uh... Bell? Yeah, not her. No, sure? she would have been so young at that point. Have you ever seen her 99? in Deadwood? Yeah. That was 20 years ago. She's probably in her 40s now. No. Keep talking. No. Put put your money where your mouth is. That was is. not her. That was not Kristen. You Bell. don't think she's in her 40s? Ah, she might be, but that wasn't her. No way. Yeah. That would have came up when, in my research. Yeah. What'd you use? IMDb? So... I actually searched a couple of things. I found an interview with Matthew Lillard about his friendship with Freddie Prince Jr. Uh, so the question is, right, Rock, Brock Hoover, Brock Hudson uh, loves this Rick James song. What song gets you into party mode like that? What song makes me dance like a yeah, complete like asshole just, on ecstasy? Oh, yeah. You just take over, take over the bar. Probably Genuine Pony. That's that's troubling. Yeah, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Turn that on right now. There's proximity pregnancy. So remember when happening. you told me you'd never seen Magic Mike? Now I know you're full of it. Oh, I'm not surprised to hear that song's in there. Oh I'm not that's against like, seeing Magic Mike. That's like Mike. a big theme of the movie. That's his dance. Oh, not surprised. Pony. It's a great song. Uh, obviously, Don't Stop Believing. There's like a good 10-year stretch. I was shirtless every time Don't Stop Believing came on. And a Dr. Hook, cover of Rolling Stone. Oh, that's, yeah. Uh, Dean, really big jerk, just not a good guy, and that that's why he made our scale. Really, he, you know, now watching this again after all these years, he should have been higher. What do you think an unacceptable answer is to that question? Like, what song comes on? Oh, that someone's like, this is my jam. Uh, it Wasn't Me by Shaggy. 
Like, oh, I think I just walk out of the room. I completely disagree. If that's like, oh, this is my jam. It's I like, completely right, disagree. See you later. How about that? Uh, um, remember that sunscreen song where it's just the guy talking? And my best advice is wear sunscreen. No. <laughs> you not know that song. I have no idea what you're talking about. Here's another one. Anything by Nickelback. I think I just, like, if they're like, oh, man, you ever heard Rockstar? They're like, yep. Wanna be a ro- I respect that move. Uh, Creed. Like, can you take... Nope. See you later. <laughs> He's not doing so hot, though, that guy. Poor Scott Stamp. He, like, lost his mind. Who's Scott Stamp? The Ladies lead singer of Creed. Of the class of 99. Wear sunscreen. If I what, could what is you this? You really don't know this? Future, no. Sunscreen would be it. Long-term this isn't a song. Have been by Hold on. This You'll... is like something from 1984. 99. No, the book, 1984. Is there like a hook or a beat? Enjoy the power and beauty of <laughs> You've heard this, right? No. It's just this guy giving out like life advice to graduates in college. Or going into college. Get, who, by who's it by? Baz Luhrmann? Baz Luhrmann, the director? I don't know. He did like Romeo and Juliet and he, The Great Gatsby. The well, he one. did a song that's totally unacceptable That can't to be dance the same to. Baz Luhrmann. There's multiple Baz Luhrmanns. Yeah. <laughs> that, can't be, that can't be the same Baz Luhrmann. <laughs> can't, uh, can't be. I refuse to believe it. That can't be the same Cher. <laughs> No, can't be. Uh, so back to Dean. Why Why was winning such a big deal to Dean? Why did this like blow up his entire friendship with Zach Paul Seiler? Walker was Dean? Yeah. He's like so adamant about winning this idiotic bet that he ruins his friendship and then tries to commit a sexual assault. It seemed like he didn't really like that guy anyway. They were just They were just teammates. buddies because they were both rich, entitled snots. Yeah, and he was slightly more rich and entitled than him, so he was jealous of him. Okay. Lunch scene. Similar to our We get the Shermanator. He's wearing a certain style of jean, the Jinko. Big, big in the late 90s. How many pairs of Jinko jeans did you have? Three. You really had three pairs of Jinko jeans? You didn't need more than one. Well, you could... <laughs> no, you could fit three people in one pair, so... Jinkos were... The fact that those went out of style. Here's a list of clothes that you I, were a juggalo. I'd like to come back. Jink, I wish. Jinkos, ponchos. Ponchos are back. Starter dude. jackets. Starter jackets are definitely back. Are they? You're living the dream. All you need is your jinkos back. That's it. You're two for three already. They're basically. I mean, if I could go back and forth between jinkos and cargo shorts, I'd be golden. Uh, again, so before I asked you this, but you had more terrible dialogue to talk about. Better, cooler dad, Tim Matheson or Kevin Pollack? Who would you rather have, Otter or Arnold's best friend from End of Days? <laughs> Amongst many other things. I'm going with Pollock. It's a tough one. I love Pollock. I feel like I'd want to be the rich kid at some point. I've never been a rich kid. I yeah, kind of fun. I mean, these kids seem to have an ungodly amount of money in this movie just based upon the house party, which oh. is just out of control. Well, he owns Harrison Ford, the car dealership. Yeah, great joke. Uh, that was some of the best writing in this yeah. whole movie. 
No, I'd want to be the rich entitled kid. I think that'd be a blast. Okay, now back to the Jinkos. What? I'm not done with those yet. Because Shermanator makes two appearances. Once at the prom, once in the lunch scene where he has to eat his uh, own pubes. So was the Shermanator wearing Jinko-style tuxedo pants at prom? Yeah, I think he was. That's a tough move. Jinko tuxedo pants? That's a real 1999 move. Hopefully they were hemmed. Because otherwise... People, I don't think people wore Jinkos in 99. I beg to differ. I knew someone who did. <laughs> oh, if you're out there listening, I'll never forget Juggalo Stick. <laughs> oh! Stick in 99? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like his junior year? No, 99 was our freshman year. So he was still hanging on to the great Malenko at that point. <laughs> Gotta let those go. Orange Fago at lunch, two liter. Jinkos and Static X all yeah. day. Uh, so the prom dance-off, I think Tyler the Dance Machine Jones would have just, just crushed that dance-off. That's the guy from Take Me Home Tonight who dances off against Barry. Oh, Barry would have crushed that. Barry definitely would have crushed it. There was not a lot of cocaine in this movie, but there were cigarettes at random points with nobody smoking. I'm not sure if that was like a, a break on set where they just decided to call action. <laughs> But you think the actors were smoking? Yeah, because they're just smoking for no reason. <laughs> There's a scene where Paul Walker, it's when they're picking out the girl he has to turn to the prom queen, and he just points and he has a cigarette between his fingers. Yep. And then yep. his ex-girlfriend has a cigarette walking down the stairs at that party. It just It's totally random. Yeah, like There's like three lit. times people are smoking. There's no smoking going on with the extras, just them. <laughs> that would be so funny. If the actors forgot to put their cigarettes away. <laughs> I'm serious. It was it was bizarre. The, I buy that. I'm in on that. The points that it would happen. All right. Of all the up-and-coming stars in the movie, who went on to have the best career? Oh. And it's none of the... It's obviously not Taylor Vaughn. Don't know her name as an actress. It's not Freddie Prinze. Although, you know, he did a whole bunch of other stuff. And you said he almost was Jigsaw. And, he, you know, he's been around, but he didn't... He was not a leading man like you would have thought in the late 90s, early 2000s. Anna Paquin has to have the best career, right? Boom. Nailed it. Yeah, for sure. So, 25th Hour, the X-Men films, almost famous. Now, some of these, she's smaller roles, but she's still in them. Finding Forrester, True Blood. Lead of True Blood. Yep. Ten episodes of The Affair. Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee. She crushed it. Yeah. She killed it. Yeah. Just killed it. Except maybe the dude from Psych. I mean, then again, you know, that show had 120, 140 episodes, whatever it is. Dude. That guy's set for life. For life. Syndicated. Back when shows could actually be syndicated. Yeah. Well, every USA show is syndicated because USA will never stop playing their shows. This is not Wings, Lemon. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Most important question of all. Obviously, in the movie, Zach Seiler and his awful ex-girlfriend win prom king and queen. I'm not down with that. Who do you got? Who should have won? Yep. Oh, boy. All right. So I think to be a little more forward thinking, let's bring it up to like 2019. Let's give Mitch the King and Queen Award. Mitch? Well, Mitch wasn't technically in high school. I don't care. <laughs> I don't know what Mitch was supposed to How do you know? he was hey, supposed to be. Hey, how do you know Mitch wasn't in high school? True. Uh, what Arquette is he now? Well, he was Alexis Arquette. He passed away. So when? Uh, two thousand sixteen. Yeah. yeah, 
I think if we're being forward, I don't know. I don't know of what, um, but it was sudden. I know that. Don't even call it king and queen. Just call it prom champion. The question is, should prom king and queen still be a thing? No, it's a little sexist. Yep. It's a little genderist. So my vote, Jesse Jackson. That's Fulton Reed's character's name. Shut up. <laughs> that's not true. The good reverend. Why the fuck is her dad's name Wayne Boggs? <laughs> they said Wayne Boggs. I'm like, wait a minute. Are they saying Wade Boggs? Oh, it was. It should have been Wade Boggs. <laughs> that would have been awesome. So Wade just to be Boggs. clear, you want Jesse Jackson to be the prom king? Yes. Okay. Jesse Jackson and then best friend, Lanny Boggs, prom queen. They were the they were the it couple of that school for me. Yeah. I'm, my pick was way more progressive than yours. Just want to point that out. True. That is true. Uh, Mine would can be... Can we vote for Wade Boggs? Gabrielle Union and the uh, art teacher, Quinn Queen, two queens. Fine. I'll take it. Anybody would have been better in Taylor Vaughn. She's an awful human being. Why would you vote for her? No, that's a that's a whole thing. Like it's I a, don't understand. It's like a it's she's a, a legacy. Yeah, it's a trope uh, where super hot people are also really fucking mean but popular. Yeah, no, and that's nah. you know, like from what I remember of high school, if you were like in the cool girl crew, but you were mean to everybody, then everybody thought you were an asshole. My school had a weird thing where the band members started outnumber everybody else, so they would just vote. It's like a zombie takeover. Oh, yeah. They would just vote all the band people as winners for that stuff. Good. I was on homecoming court. No big deal. <laughs> Is that a life, <laughs> I, life I think, highlight? I think I lost out to two band members. <laughs> I think they were just mocking my it's popularity. Rough. It's rough. It's not great. You lost out to two, but Tim. No, it's not. Not not great. All right, so... Uh, Tuba Tim. That's really all I have to say about this movie. I will say, I liked this movie so much at one point that I went to visit some friends uh, at their school, which was in, like, Kirksville, Missouri. Not a, not a hip, happening town. Oh, yeah. Population, like, 1,700. And instead of, like, going out and doing something, we sat on the couch and watched this movie. And then did what? Just talked about it. What? The more you talk about your childhood, the more... I, for a time, I thought this movie was awesome. It is not a good movie. It's, it's not. It's. But I'd terrible. still watch it again. I like again. I like bad movies. Uh, this is not. <clears throat> I don't know. They just found a way to make it so corny and over the top that if you told me it was satire right now, like if you said looking back, it was actually meant to be, you know, like um, like Scream, where it's a horror movie, but they're kind of laughing at themselves if you would have told me that was the point here i would have believed you but no it's just that bad it's, and again these are like something you know teenage actors i'm not gonna make fun of them for how they acted and stuff they were probably directed this way but yeah i don't know i just didn't uh again it takes a lot for me to have to turn away and like mute literally mute the tv because i'm so uncomfortable so this this did it for me you know some of these people that are very early in their careers too which we'll get to in <clears throat> True False. It's just, you know, without stronger material, like, you know, Kevin Pollack, he does a great job in this movie as being sort of like... Every the, actor did the best they could with what yeah. they were given. But most of the lines for the actors who have to carry the film are just so cornball. And it's crazy that this was like... That this, this made, $100 made $100 million? This made $100 million. It's two, twofold. Uh, Did MTV pay fifty million dollars for the rights to uh, it or something? The song at the end of the movie was wildly popular. 
What song? The Kiss Me. That's that's made for this movie? I don't think it was made for the movie. It was a very popular song, and then it's in the movie. And it just you have that connection. Oh, this is going to be super sappy. You draw in the right crowd. I don't think that is the reason this made $100 million. Oh, yeah. This Look, is a- it's got Freddie Prinz. Are you saying Prinz now? Freddie Prinz, yeah. I thought it was just pronounced Freddie Prince Jr. No, Prinz. Stop saying Prinz. I know how it's spelled. Yeah, it's because his name is Freddie Prinz. <laughs> no one says Freddie Prinz. Yes. Freddie Prince Jr. It's not Prince. It's not Prinz. It is. <laughs> it it very much is. Aunt. This is it's a it's a movie geared toward <laughs> middle school kids. This is not a visual medium. It's got Stop counting with it's got hand. Freddie Prinz. <laughs> Say Freddie Prinze Jr. I mean, eighth grade girls would see, in 1999, would have seen that guy do anything. That's fair. He had like this five-year, six-year window where he was like Mr. It guy. Did it start with, I know what you did last summer? I think that was after this. I could be wrong. Could be before. I don't know. It's probably like a year It's before. somewhere in. It's within He really did like have way. this like brief period where he was the guy. And after this movie, it all kind of goes downhill. They all start making way less money. They're all way worse movies. Like this was 40%. Then he starts getting into like the 10, 12% territory. Does he have a role where you can tell that he has like chops? I would not say that, no. Hmm. If he had chops, he'd still be a thing for sure. I don't know, because there's... there's Freddie Prince, dude. Prince. Freddie Prince Jr. Who calls him Freddie Prince? I've never in my life heard someone pause and say Prince. Prince. Freddie Prince. That's his name. I understand that that's how it's spelled, but it's Freddie Prince Jr. Nobody on earth calls him that, besides you. (laughs) You're the devil. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we have Am I Full of Shit or Not? I did some research. I got some good ones. So we'll be right back. Okay, we're back on Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. I am the Thunderous Wizard, along with Clement Von Frankenstein, a.k.a. A.k.a. Freddy. Pube Pizza. Freddy Prince Jr. Prince. So this is our second segment, Am I Full of Shit or Not? And I've got uh, some good ones here. So we'll start it off. The 1999 MTV Movie Awards. Rachel Lee Cook and Freddie Prinze Jr. won Best On-Screen Duo. True. False. Oof. They lost to Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker, Rush Hour. The other nominees were Ben Affleck and Liv Tyler. What about um, Armageddon? Keanu Reeves and what's-her-name from The Matrix? Nope. Nicolas Cage and Meg Ryan, City of Angels. Seems like Neo and Trinity should have been above them. And Ben Stiller and Cameron Diaz, there's something about Mary. Is that st- is are the MTV Movie Awards still a thing? They are. I don't watch them. Uh, I stay as far away from MTV aside from the challenge as humanly possible. The photo of Lainey's mother is of actress Bonnie Bedelia, the real life aunt of Kieran Culkin, who played Lainey's brother Simon. True. True. This was the last film to be reviewed by legendary critic Gene Siskel in print. False. True. What? And he liked it. He gave it a favorable review. Quote, Our flick of the week is She's All That, a high school drama that accurately reflects the intense pressures that 17-year-olds feel about their senior prom, from whom they are going with to what direction their lives will take afterward. Siskel, I love you. That is an abhorrent take. 
This is not at all an accurate reflection of any 17-year-old's life. These kids are so far off, like, the average American kid. It's insane. Also, there's almost seemingly no pressure to going to prom in this. He makes a bet about inviting a nerdy girl who wasn't planning on going anyway. Why doesn't Anna Paquin have a date? Because she goes to an all-girls school. She's younger than Zach. I must have missed that. Dude, there's so much nuance in this movie. I hate you. Uh, the Falafel Restaurant is the same one used in the 1989 movie Loverboy, starring Patrick Dempsey. 100% true. true. So I told you, Loverboy would that, come back. Is that where he delivers pizza uh, with weed on it? Loverboy, didn't you bring that up? I brought up Can't Buy Me Love. Oh. I think No, Lover, no Loverboy is the one where if you order it with like yep. extra sausage, he's a gigolo. Yep. That's right. Uh, so I, I had them uh, confused, but... That's right. He's in both of those. We should probably do a double. We should watch both of those. Uh, Can't Buy Me Love. Pretty similar plot to this. Except he pays the hot girl to date him to boost his standing. Well, you know, he forfeit. He foregoes getting a telescope, too. Yep, that's right. And his best friend in it is that ginger that plays the the weird son in the burbs. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He's in colors, too, that guy. He's also in that rock movie where the rock has the giant revolver, just goes around shooting people. Yep, Fa- uh, faster. He shoots that guy like at in the his office. cubicle. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this movie was the film debut of both Gabrielle Union and Little Kim. Uh, absolutely true. True. Little Kim lobbied for her character name to be Queen B. Instead, it was. I have no idea. But she wanted it to be Queen B. There were a lot of preposterous names in this. I don't know why they didn't just call her Queen B. True or false? What do you think? True. False. I made that up, so it could be true, but we'll never know. I just assume she probably did it. I'm willing to bet that's true. <laughs> Kim, if you're listening. Uh, Kim. <laughs> hit me up on Twitter, at Hops and B.O. Flops. Uh, let us know what you wanted your character name to be and She's All That. You were great in it, by the way. Love you, Kim. <laughs> Much love. Uh, pals Matthew Lillard and Freddie Prinze Jr., who co-starred five films over the 90s and early 2000s, once had a falling out on the set of summer movie Scooby-Doo over a a foul-smelling practical joke involving poop. False. True. Freddie Prince Jr. relieved himself in Lillard's trailer toilet during one of Lillard's days off. He didn't flush and then turned the heat up to make sure the stench would be unbearable when Lillard returned 24 hours later. Wait, did he upper deck him or just normal poop? Just normal poop. But it broke water? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So, and then he turned the heat up in the trailer. Apparently, he did this to him four times and only got caught once. How do you only get caught once? Because he did it on, like, other movies, and I guess he could never figure out who was doing it. And then he That's finally figured amazing. out it was him. That's a real weird move to not just top shelf him. Very odd practical joke to play. <laughs> I mean, not that I haven't done it, but... The old no flush plus heat. Oh, there's some milk sock. <laughs> fish fish between the mattresses. Yeah. You you soak a sock in milk and then you leave it in somebody's house over the summer. Mm, oh, my God. Find a good hiding spot. Forget for it. it. You, think that you think the poop is bad, Lillard? Just wait till I milk sock your trailer. You think the poop is bad, Lillard? I'm coming for you. Love Lord. you, Kim. <laughs> Lillard, if you're listening. Uh, Lillard, if you're listening. I won't milk sock you. Hit me at Hops and B.O. Flops yeah. and describe the smell of uh, <laughs> Freddie Prince Jr.'s poop. Jr.'s poop. 
2014 interview, the director stated that Freddie Prinze was the only actor ever considered for one the role time. of Zach. You got one more time to do that. The same for Rachel Lee Cook as Lainey. True. False. He told Yahoo in 2014 that Josh Hartnett was considered for the role of Zach Seiler, and Lele Zobieski, Mina Suvari, and Jordana Brewster auditioned for the role of Lainey Boggs. Lele and Jordana? Yep. <laughs> like this is like the voice. who's who of like late 90s, early 2000s, uh, 20-somethings. This That's, film, now this is, this is the nuance. Oh, false. It's a movie, not a film. It doesn't deserve to be called a film. The nuance of this movie, right? There's so many layers. It's like an onion. The film contains several hidden references to the pop group Hanson. Aside from the photograph during Taylor's campaign, the two main characters are named Taylor and Zach, two members of the Hanson band. Mackenzie and Jesse, two minor characters, were young members of the Hanson family. Okay, is the question, was that on purpose or not? Well, because what you just said was true. Yeah, it's true. It really wasn't a great question. Wait, but what's that's, the question? That's how fine. Wait, did you make that up you or know, did you find that somewhere? The, no, this that was on IMDb. This that's is how, not a, that's not how a, much thought and detail was put into this d- script. Detail? Detail. That's upsetting. So She's All That is an ad- adaptation of the stage play Pygmalion. That's <laughs> <laughs> Okay. false, but I get why you would do that. True. No. (laughs) Just because it shares the fact that an ugly person becomes hot. In ancient Greek mythology, Pygmalion fell in love with one of his sculptures, which then came to life. See, it's more of a loose adaptation. What do you mean an adaptation? It's an adaptation of trading places. (laughs) Pygmalion. Again, nuance. Gosh, what a movie. No nuance. Sarah Michelle Gellar, Freddie Prinze's real life. Isn't Mannequin an adaptation of Pygmalion? Oh, for sure, a hundred percent. How is this an adaptation? Also, Andrew McCarthy, way cooler than Freddie Prinze Jr. All right, there's your last. I don't want to do the fucking podcast anymore. (laughs) Sarah Michelle Gellar, Freddie Prinze's real life wife, was set to appear in the movie, but had scheduling conflicts. False. She was in the movie. I saw her. Yep, she was. She wasn't ever going to have a major role. But she does appear in the cafeteria scene uh, when Lainey's brother Simon is offering people fresh ground pepper. On rollerblades. On rollerblades. I would think that'd be a no-no on school grounds. but Ro- Oh, which part? Rollerblading inside the cafeteria or having a pepper grinder? A little both. <laughs> a little both. Uh, speaking of Sarah Michelle Gellar, this movie was filmed at the same high school as her show Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I never watched, so. One, I don't believe you. I know you're a big Buffy guy, so. False. True. God. Well, first of all, not my Buffy. Hashtag not my Buffy. Not my Buffy. Sarah, if you're listening, we apologize. Uh, Christy Swanson will always be our Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And it's only because the program is the greatest movie ever. Love Mm. Christy Swanson. Mm. She was in that. What? (laughs) Just kidding, Christy. I know you were. Uh, We're followed by a lot of... uh, 90s celebs, so false. Don't mind the shit. Don't mind the shit. <laughs> we're, we're not followed by a lot of anything. <laughs> just a few, just a couple. John Wesley Ship, the original Flash, liked one of my tweets once, so he's probably following now. Who? John Wesley Ship. The original what? The original Flash, the guy that was on the show in the 90s. I tweeted about how awesome it is that he's on the current Flash show, and he liked it. So I think we're buddies now. Also, Billy Zane follows me. So he has a Google alert. <laughs> oh. 
Hey, stop name dropping so hard. Here, hold this. Here, you drop this. Uh, <laughs> Question. Do you think that guy just has a Google alert set up for like when his no, name gets no. mentioned? No, no. It was legit. Legit likeage. It was legit. It might have been his assistant. I don't know. Uh, so true. The show and movie were both shot at Torrance High School in California. This also happens to be the same building where Beverly Hills 90210, one of my favorite shows, was filmed, as well as the NBC drama Medium. Haven't seen that. True. Who's in Medium? I've seen Long. That might be an Arquette connection. Was that uh, Patricia Arquette? Was she in Medium? I've only seen Long Island Medium. (laughs) (laughs) Different show. Now, this one, this is the creme de la creme of the true false. M. Night Shyamalan. False. Stated in a 2002 interview that he polished the screenplay while adapting Stort Little and writing a spec script for The Sixth Sense. What? Go start over. Start over. So the script needed work, so he polished the script. He punched this up? Yep. What did Stuart Little have to do with it? Well, he worked on it while he was working on that. This is so absurd it has to be true. It's true. This was confirmed in the film's audio commentary by director Robert Eiscove. Holy shit. They have director's commentary on this? Uh, apparently on the DVD. If you go to the Miramax website, you can still find a landing page for this movie with clips. So it Seems might... like you might want to, like I don't know, update a little bit. Maybe not have every film in your catalog. M. Night punched this up. M. Night Shyamalan. The, I mean, the shame on him. He later tried to, I guess, take credit for basically rewriting the whole thing, but I think that was refuted. But Why would you want credit for that? I'd like to know what scenes he punched up. He probably... Was it the scene where Freddie Prince couldn't decide on a college just and kept Prince. seeing his dead grandmother in the kitchen? Oh, yeah. Wait, Remember what? that? That was weird. I feel like you're making... Tim Matheson's like standing in her corpse. He probably... Very strange. Again, not... that. Didn't, I think he probably did the, the weird, not flashback scene, but dream sequence where the two chicks made the bet about him. Oh, yes. Hmm. What what a twist. Seems like something he would do. Doesn't it? <laughs> no. You sure? There were a bunch of signs leading up to that scene. Okay, so that's the end of uh, True Flood. <laughs> oh. Don't, yeah. don't, don't try too Maybe hard. Maybe he did the beach scene, you know, the one with the lady in the water. <laughs> You're such a dork. God, it's like you have a sixth sense for these things. Ah, <laughs> oh, my wit is unbreakable. Uh, I quit. Yep. Yep. Well, we got to split. We'll be back with our third segment. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Uh, It takes a village. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It takes the village. (laughs) Oh, man. I don't know any more Night Shyamalan movies. I'm trying to think of them now. Uh, It's really hard to do Avatar The Last Airbender. I don't think I could come up with that. That'd be really hard to use as a pun. You know? Yeah, no. Just too difficult. What's the one where the trees kill people? Mm. Spoiler uh, spoiler for that movie. Whispering Willows. <laughs> the happening. <laughs> the happening. What the hell is happening? That would have been a good one. Uh, yeah, that would have been a good one. All right, so when we come back, uh it's the Where Are They Now? Southern California High class of nineteen ninety nine. You gotta explain you gotta explain what you actually So did. I'm taking characters, for example, Dean Sampson, and where is he now using another character from Paul Walker's filmography so who did dean sampson become out of the characters in paul walker's filmography 
So I did. We'll go over who we did when we come back. We're back on Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. And if you need a fresh glass of beer, get it now. I'm so... Nailed it. I'm so upset with you. Just shyamalan over here. And we're doing Where Are They Now? The Southern California High School, class of 1999. You're the devil. We're going to take Dean Sampson, Paul Walker. Who did Dean Sampson become of the characters in Paul Walker's filmography? We're going to take Brock Hudson. You missed my devil and my Shyamalan... Well, he only produced that. Only produced it? <laughs> Bokeem Woodbine was in it. He was. Matthew Lillard. So who did Brock Hudson become out of the Matthew Lillard character catalog? Lainey Boggs, Rachel Lee Cook, and then Zack Seiler, Freddie Prince Jr. Those are who you picked. I picked two right. other characters. Cool. So so you only yeah. have two, so I'll start. Don't say cool like that. You're being very condescending, this cast. <laughs> All right, you're up. I'm excited. Again, I couldn't do so, all these because I have not seen I have many of their other movies. I've got some good cuts for, right. for this. I want you to start with Lillard. All right, you want me to start with Brock Hudson? Because he technically didn't attend high school there, although I saw one. Probably needed to freshen up on a few courses. Okay, go. I'm Matthew Lillard. So Brock Hudson, he went on to be Stuart from Scream. As his post-reality TV fame dwindled, Hudson, a.k.a. Stort, decided to re-enroll in high school to seek vengeance on all those who laughed at his 15 minutes of fame. <laughs> Thus, he moved north to wine country, enlisting a wayward teen who happened to look a lot like Johnny Depp to enact his vengeance. That's not bad. That's actually not bad at all. Yeah. Do you just call Skeet Ulrich Johnny Depp? Fake Johnny Depp, yeah. Was Scream before or after this? Uh, it was before this. So you can go backwards or forwards in the catalog, but don't you think it's a little odd that Stork didn't have a last name? I do now. Yeah. That's got to be your best one. Uh, no, I don't think it is. It's, right. it's pretty close. Give me uh, Paul Walker. Dean Sampson, Paul Walker, went on to become Brian O'Connor from The Fast and the Furious. Although a cop, Sampson, a.k.a. O'Connor, still made a habit of lying to women to get them to sleep with him. Wow. Wow. Shots fired. Because <laughs> he's... You no, know, he died a couple years ago. I know, but th- th- these are his characters. That's we miss ex- you, Paul. That's what you did. Oh, R.I.P. Uh, so which, who do you got? What you did to me? I got two more. You got two. Let's go. Okay, so Mitch, the deceased Arquette, as you pointed out earlier. Yeah, Alexis Arquette. Alexis Arquette, very believably transitioned from the role in this movie to George from The Wedding Singer. Yep. There's, also, the there fourth man in Pulp Fiction. What man? So remember in the, the scene where uh, they're they're sitting in there, they're eating the big kahuna burger, they got the three guys sitting on the couch, they're about to kill these dudes because they stole, and then he comes bursting out of the oh, bathroom. Oh, yeah. Boop, 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 he's the fourth man. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Nice. Good pull. And then, um, so Misty, the rich girl that gets her face painted like a clown. Yes. Tells her to commit suicide. She's awful. Another one of the awful teenagers in this movie. Yeah, she's uh, Marjorie from Veep, her daughter's uh, wife. No. Yeah. So I haven't watched Veep, I, and I keep hearing I should. Oh, you sh- I mean, we should stop the podcast right now, and you should just start watching it. It's that good. It's that good. I can get through Veep pretty quick because it's 30 minutes. Oh, you can just plow through it. So I don't want to – I mean, nothing in this will spoil it, but – 
after being shamed so hard at that party and uh, losing all her friends by having her face painted as a clown, she realizes who she truly is and joins the Secret Service, dumps her stupid art major, and uh, falls in love with Wow, that's a good cut. I like that. I don't want to say anything else to you. Uh, you know, she's also in The Faculty. Remember that movie? Oh, where all, for sure. All the faculty are aliens. Isn't Usher in that one, too? He is. Josh Hartnett. I'm going to have a real problem doing the uh, Six Degrees, I can already tell. Oh, yeah. Little Kim will be one of the actors. Oh, she's I don't know <laughs> what else she's in. Uh, I know she's in something else, but I don't You can know use the All About the Benjamins music video. That's all. Okay. So I'll go now. Lainey Boggs, Rachel Lee Cook, went on to become Josie McCoy from Josie and the Pussycats. Embracing you mean Josie? Josie, yeah. Embracing Josie. her newfound popularity, Lainey, a.k.a. Wait, Josie or Josie? Josie. Josie. It's like how Prince is pronounced. Ditched Zach to become a badass rock star. And as we'll see, this sent Zach in a bit of a tailspin. All right, not bad. I still love your Matthew Lillard one. <laughs> he would de- that guy's definitely. I a could murderer. definitely see him going back into high school, re-enrolling just to kill people out to of like take out his anger, vengeance, because no one accepted yeah. him as the actor he wanted to be. Yep, that's such a good one. All right, what's your? Did next you do one? Pollock? Oh, I just did those two. Oh, what was your other one? Mitch became George. Oh, that's right. Okay, so there's no it- story there. He is just the same. He literally like runs into. He is a very avant-garde performance artist. He runs into Adam Sandler at a bar mitzvah and just and says, "Hey, uh, do you need somebody to do Culture Club?" I on your set. I kill Culture Culture Club. All right, Zach Seiler. This one hurts. Freddie Prinze Jr. went on to become the many the man of many faces. Dumped by Laney, Zach became a sad sack, motivated only by finding the right one. He even stooped his lows, posing as FBI agent Jim Winston and ace Cape Cod baseball pitcher Ryan Dunn to gain the affection of, the, of women. To this day, Zach, who never attended college against his father's wishes and was disowned by his family because of it, is still desperately searching for love. Wait, who is he? He, he went on He's to a become bunch of different all these roles in these stupid romantic comedies, and he could never find love. And now he's alone. But in real life, he found true love. In real life, he's How long done very well married? for himself. Uh, I, over 15 years. That's awesome. Good for them. Yeah. So that, that one I really liked. Because <laughs> you always had these I stupid can't scenarios. You found a ro- You found multiple roles that you've seen him in movies besides this. Oh, of course. I mean, besides, I know Down she did to last you? summer. Nope. Head Over Heels? Nope. Summer Catch? No, no, you've told me to watch that a bunch, though. That's going to be, I mean, if we ever do a Freddy, another Freddie Prince movie, it'll be that one. Fred Ward's in it. Tremors. Oh, yeah? Yep. He's his dad. All right, so that was, uh, where are they now? The Southern California High School class of 1999. When we come back, we'll do Six Degrees. We'll do some brief recommendations. And I have some reviews to read from a couple listeners. So we'll be right back. All right, we're back on Hops and Box Office Flops for our last segment, uh, Six Degrees of Movie Separation, where I, given two actors, I have to connect them in six degrees or less by movies they share with common co-stars. So who do you got? All right, so 
I want to do the last movie we did and the next movie we're going to do, completely Which, skipping this one because it sucked so bad. So Can't Hardly Wait and Take Me Home Tonight. You got it. I'm going to go with Seth Green and Seth Green. Topher Grace. Seth Green and Topher Grace. Okay. Gotcha. Let's see. Seth Green and Topher Grace. Seth Green, Topher Grace. So while I do this, you're going to do your recommendations for the week. And I'll try and connect these two. Go ahead. I have to go now? Yes. Oh, boy. Do you have recommendations? I have. Sure. I'll I have do, a couple. Do your six degrees. All right. I'll, I'll just blabber on about so stuff. So Topher Grace Actually, Seth Green. So here's a band. If you want to listen to some unique music i won't call it alternative because i hate that term but um i was put on to a band with it kind of has an acoustic vibe and the lead singer she basically uses her voice like an instrument although there's obviously lyrics the band's called big thief and they have a new album out it's called ufof but the song jenny on mm. it is just awesome so big thief figured i'd give you guys something different uh, from a recommendation standpoint, came on. Uh, I was on Spotify and uh, really, really great song. I would imagine it's really great if you're doing mushrooms or something like that, but uh, really digging that band for some reason. Like Shiitake? Huh? Yeah, just like Shiitake. Okay, I got it, by the way. Oh. So Seth Green goes to Peter Fascinelli. Can't hardly wait. Peter Fascinelli goes to Robert Pattinson Pattinson in Twilight. Pattinson goes to um, Willem Dafoe in, what's it called, The Lighthouse? It's, they just premiered it at Cannes. Uh, Dafoe to McGuire in Spider-Man. McGuire to Topher Grace, Spider-Man 3. Was that six? Yeah, there you go. Nailed it. So my recommendations, um, I haven't been watching a lot, again, because I was just super busy with this pod. The Game of Thrones recap pod, uh, I Drink and He Knows Things. If uh, you finish Game of Thrones now and you want to hear my and Captain Cash's thoughts on how the final season played out, those are available. All the reviews I wrote for Revenge of the Fans are available. Uh, we'll get to Game of Thrones in just a sec. So I've been just kind of crazy with that. But uh, Sneaky Pete's back. That's my recommendation. Sneaky Pete is an awesome show. Giovanni Ribisi. Uh, as a con man who assumes the identity of his prison cellmate, I uh, won't really get into any spoilers. It was, I think, it was co-developed yes, or created Cranston. by Brian Cranston. Yeah. He's in the first season. I think the first season is the best season, but certainly season two was really good. I just started season three. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime for free. Uh, you should check it out. It's a great show. It's well written. Um, it's well acted. Really well acted. I, I think it's just a great show. So that's my recommendation. Sneaky Pete. For TV shows, I just knocked out uh, season one of Killing Eve with Sandra Oh. It's on oh, Hulu. I've heard that's good too, yeah. On Hulu. Oh, yeah, definitely worth a watch. Very unique. So there's a good... Okay, so Killing it's like, Eve. It's on BBC. I think it's on AMC here in the States, but it's on Hulu. Yeah, you can get it. I think it's only eight it. episodes. You can get it on... Like, I know it's on one of the channels here. I think it is AMC, but you can watch them all. I liked it. Okay, so Killing Eve. All right, so a couple of reviews, and then we'll do some Thrones talk. 
I'm still in mourning. So office politics, five-star review. Love the insights and geeky references. You can tell these guys love what they're doing. The banter between them is excellent, and they have great chemistry. Funny, sharp, and done with care. If you love pop culture and so good they're bad movies, this is your podcast. Oh, I thought these were reviews for the movie. No, for uh, for our podcast. Oh, this is just, this is just shameless, then. I don't want to hear this. Well, I want people to, you know, review, because the more reviews we get, larger number of eyes will potentially see the podcast and their feeds. Uh, so want, write a review. You want more people to see the podcast? Well, they'll see it. It'll pop up in their feeds. Oh, I got you. You know? Which is, I should probably change the picture to one of Freddie Prinze Jr. Because That's it. He's Find a, a new fucking co-host. He's, he's a heartthrob. Last review, Regal CZM. Hilarious, exclamation point. I wouldn't consider myself a big movie buff, but I find the commentary and the banter so amusing and engaging. There are some seriously bad movies out there, and it is so much fun to dive deep into the muck. So thank you for the reviews. Please leave reviews if you're listening to the show. Um... That helps drive the traffic, et cetera, and so on. And we appreciate people that have uh, rated even just the rating system, but written reviews are the way to go. So Legit, though, do you know either one of those two people? No. Because I was thinking about this. I don't think anybody I know I would want to listen to this, but I'm glad that strangers are reviewing it. See, I don't want like my friends to – they hear me enough. They probably yeah, like if one did. of my friends told me you're like hey, a broken record. I got a podcast, Prince, and I pronounce Freddie things Prince. like an asshole, and I say canon canonically. I'm like, I don't want to hear you. I think most people that know me understand that. Listen, I spent the better part of two and a half years talking people's ears off about Batman versus Superman, so they should be so oh, thankful. I oh, I remember into that yet. Oh, I remember. I think there were some tears conspiracy. involved. Conspiracy, but so <laughs> thanks. By the way, that's really cool that people are actually listening to this and writing reviews. I know I give uh, Thunderous Wizard a hard time here, but uh, he's really trying to give it a go with this career. So thanks for writing those reviews and stuff. I hope you guys find it a good time waster. It's a lot of fun to do, so we hope you're having fun listening to it. Besides the fact uh, that you come over here and turn my fan off to plug in the mics and I get all sweaty, it's a pretty good time. Well, it's like hot yoga. It gets us into like a Zen mode. Bikram podcasting? Yeah. It's a new thing. We're starting a new thing. All right. So Game of Thrones. Now, if you haven't oh, finished. Oh, we, we doing this? This is spoilers. Jump off. Just jump off. Uh, now, everybody's listened to I know I Drink and He Knows Things, knows my thoughts. Uh, I was disappointed by, you know, we talked about the turn. We were disappointed. The ending just was like another layer on top of a season that I just thought it was a big uh, whatever for me. It came, it went, it's gone. I'd loved most of the other stuff, and it just never had the resolution I hoped it would. You know what's crazy is I did not spend 10 years of my life watching it, so I just I binged it all Yep. this okay. year. So you're, you have like a, a, a much like closer proximity like you weren't waiting like a year between seasons You're like oh we got two years until the final run and not at all that's so, that i think is what killed me the most it's like they built it and built it and built it up and then it's like oh so there is no we're not going to get a reason the night king is doing this at all even though you've dealt with all this symbolism and different you know 
these different things he does with the corpses and he's sending messages, but oh no, he just dies. He's gone. So yeah. And and that being said, I only brought that up because I'm sure a lot of other people are way more hurt that they just rushed this last season so much. And it's, it's obvious even to me. I mean, I didn't like wait as long as people, I haven't read any of the books or anything. I mean, I read a little bit online and thunder tells me some stuff from the books, but I feel so bad for the actors because, man, they just carried this season to me. Like, yeah. there was there were some times where just their facial expressions made the entire scene. Dinklage a bunch of times. Like, you just tell what he was thinking and feeling just from, like, three or four seconds holding on his face. Uh, same with Amelia Clark. As much she, as I this hated... This was her best season. Oh, my God. As and much as I hated... Material. Yeah, yeah, her turn to um, Queen of the Ashes when she's sitting on that dragon, hearing the bells toll, like there's like there, you can just see the violence in her eyes and the the sadness she, and the loss. She, she did a very nice job. These fucking actors, man, it sucks that they they obviously poured their heart into this, and it it's so disappointing to the fans. It has to suck for them. But that being said, awesome job by all of them. The one question I have that I, that I, well, there's a lot of questions I have, but the biggest one to me is, does the end now, does that make Bran a villain? No, like, here's the thing, like, you know, we talked on this podcast, and I'm like, oh, I, I guess I can't really see it having a happy ending, and I never really thought it was going to anyways. And then it wraps up with such, like, a neat little bow, and, like, all these, like, oh, look, Bran's the master of coin, we all love Bran, and... Here's the book, uh, the Song of Fire and Ice, and it was just like so corny at the end, and everyone's like hunky dory, and it's like, wait a minute, like, but but I guess here's what I'm saying. I'll explain it a little bit more. If so, Brand's one of his final lines of, "Why do you think I came all the way here?" Mm, yeah, that means I did this for a reason. Right, I knew this was going to happen. Yeah, and uh, honestly, he could see the whole thing. So to be complicit does sort of make you so he knew yeah so like throughout the whole season you're like why isn't he saying anything why isn't he doing anything because i think his job is to let no 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 no. i don't care what you think because it was never explained what his job was right true in the books it might so you might actually know but what i'm saying is in the in the television show does it make him a bad guy that all he wanted to do was become king and to do that he let people die and he withheld information from them for that to happen. Well, he's sort of like Doctor Strange in a way. Like maybe he sees like a myriad of futures. And by doing nothing, that may have had the best result. I don't really know, right? We only know so much about what he sees and what he knows. And obviously he can put himself into the past and be physically touched. So although nobody else knows he's there except for this one guy who... We never found anything else about so that that all the time travel stuff they dealt with was a little sticky. Uh, but doesn't it? So if everything Bran did and used his powers for was for the purpose of making himself king, doesn't that kind of make him a piece of shit? Certainly, like if if he if his powers could have been used to stop some of the madness that ensued over. However long since he became the three-eyed raven, you have to assume you have to assume he could have. 
then yes, he could have worked into a dragon. He's the greatest villain. Because why wouldn't he warg into the dragon that let her kill anyone? But and see, I don't want to. I don't want to be like a dick and say, "Am I giving the writers too much credit?" But do you think that because there was never. They didn't do an after the episode for the last episode, right? Like, well, after the last five, I, I who could blame them? <laughs> I don't think they did. I think Danny forgot about the Iron Fleet. We find out that Cersei's really just a woman that needs a man. They said some really tone deaf stuff. Oh, but it's ugh. it's one of those it's one of those questions. Like the more the more that I thought about his storyline, because I know they didn't explain everything to us, not even close. But the no. more I thought. If he did all of these things and withheld information, and his only goal was to become king, that makes him a bad guy, right? Uh, yeah, I think it does. Because then he's just playing the ultimate Game of Thrones. Yeah. Like, I'm going to keep my mouth shut and let all these people die, and then I'll be the natural one to assume the throne. By the way, he didn't have the best story. Not even close. No. I wrote this in my review. Jon Snow, better story. Jon Snow fought, the, won the Battle of the Bastards. Jon Snow went north of the Wall multiple times and fought armies of the dead. Jon Snow was one of the heroes of the Battle of Winterfell while that guy sat in the woods. He did not have... He came back... He was killed and brought back to life. He did not have the best story. It, not even close. I mean, like... And his character didn't even go through as much as other characters in the show. Theon went through more. You know, Theon was maimed and tortured for months on end. Theon was a huge piece of shit, though. That that actor played one of the... His name is slipping my mind. But he had one of the greatest actual character arcs going Who, uh, from... Theon? Yeah. Alfie Allen? Yeah. Going from just a complete piece of shit who burned the farmer's kids to yep. pretend that he burned Bran and then basically betrayed his true family and then his real family and then all the stuff that happened with Ramsay, even that stuff, even when he, you know, cut off his wang, I still didn't, f- like, I felt terrible, but I didn't feel, like, bad for him. Like well, yeah, but you certainly had some comeuppance to get. And then even then, he was a coward. He went from hated to a little bit of pity to a coward. Remember when he didn't save his sister? He jumped what? off the boat and just let his uncle. Well, he knew that take her captive. In a matter of months, there'd be no guards on duty, and he could just oh. save her, no problem. He knew the writers were going to get lazy in about two years. Yeah, he just waited it out. That was my biggest. It's like throughout the season, it's like oh, we're just going to time jump six months, or even in the end, right? Like. You don't see any of the aftermath of him killing her. You see him being a little sad and the dragon flies away, but like what what became what what did her troops think about it? We saw uh, Grey Worm, who honestly I was so sick of him by the end. I just thought, ugh, I couldn't take him anymore. Uh you know, like there's no So speaking of that, one of my favorite um fan rewrites, or like, you know, they say, Well what would you what could have made it better? If John would have chosen trial by combat against Grey Worm for his freedom, worked him. That would have been awesome because he would have worked Grey Worm. Oh, for sure. Grey Worm's a British rapper, and I never knew that until the other day. I knew he was a musician. I knew he was a rapper. That's upsetting. I forget Raleigh Ritchie. I don't. uh, I listened to. I saw one of his videos. He's pretty good. It's. It. But his character took a turn for the worse. He was just terrible. What sucks is like now. 
I don't think George Martin's going to catch a lot of flack for this, but those actors spent so much time in such shitty conditions to make this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, terrible. And now they basically just have to apologize for something that wasn't their fault. That sucks. Yeah. No, I, you can't blame them at all. The writing really, it, it did fail. It got lazy. It just jumped around. It, it, All this connective tissue that was so important to the show and establishing like the longer game just disappeared. And it went from set point to set point to set point. And all that was lost. The subtle conversations, the hey, the really great character moments. Now that we're just, just kind of musing about this. So did people not get Varys' Ravens where he told him John was the true... And I totally forgot to mention that on the other pod. And that's true. It's like, what was so important about his ravens? Why did he die? He died for no reason. He could have waited six hours and he's in the clear. Yeah, because at the end, uh, the Stark sisters and Tyrion were the only ones that knew he was a Targaryen. And by the way, his death meant nothing. She still was going to go crazy. They were all going to see that she probably had to be dealt with, whether she killed Varys or not. His death was utterly meaningless. The ravens meant nothing, and not one person at this council goes, hey, uh, you know, I know John killed her, but he's the rightful heir. Not one person brings it up. He's the king. He can kill whoever he wants. Yeah, Cersei, Cersei. Sansa, I mean, I know he bent the knee, but still, come on. Sansa really could have just said, oh, by the way, my brother's half Targaryen, half Snow, so. Uh, Tyrion, who heir. for some reason got to lead the whole court, even though he was a criminal, he could have said something. Maybe they all knew that John was so reluctant he would have turned it down anyway. Instead, they go to the guy who has no, you know, has no experience doing any much of anything. I still don't understand um, why John was kind of leaving the wall and going off with the well, the walls. Wings. The wall's meaningless now. That's he's also he's banished to the wall when there's no more threat beyond the wall. So that he we, just basically becomes know. the leader of the free folk, which I liked in a way, but at the same time, like. With the Unsullied sailing for Noth, he could have just been like, no, I'll just chill in King's Landing. They're going to have no clue I'm here. It was all for Noth. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it it was disappointing. It wrapped up in like a really neat and tidy way that made no sense. And then it had way too much like goofy fan service that didn't work anymore because people were mad by that point. So, And I don't really blame them. I think, that, and as I mentioned, the petition is absolutely idiotic. To get them off Star Wars? No, that too. I mean, you know, either they do a good job with Star Wars or they don't. What petition are you talking about? You'll, oh, they wrote a petition to reshoot the entire and rewrite the <laughs> entire season. Could you imagine? Yeah. Have you? Uh, maybe maybe the uh, one of those like Hungarian films where they like remake Star Wars and a real cheap budget will do it. They just yeah. put it on YouTube. You know, it's just. I'm sure nobody that listens to the show participates in those things. But it's like part of life is being disappointed. Sometimes things work out and it's great and shows end well, and sometimes they don't. And there's no use crying over it. Yeah, I'll say this. Because it just happens. Don't get me wrong. Like It's not like they tried to make it disappointing. We're doing this podcast, and in no way am I saying I could make better movies or am a better actor, better writer, none of that nonsense. I'm just saying some of these movies are tough for me to watch. Game of Thrones, for me, when I binged all of it right up until the last season, loved it, and then it just seemed um, a little rushed. That's all. It's not, I mean, there's no reason to, like, heckle these people or get it rewritten. It was what it was. A lot of things in poorly. You know, uh, Weiss uh, hasn't written nearly as much as Benioff, 
So I don't, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's a very talented guy because this was a hugely difficult job. But Benioff's a very good writer. And he's written a lot of good books. So it's not, you know, this guy didn't try and make something that was going to fall on his face in a way. You know, like the guy, obviously, he probably has a lot of pride in his craft. And I think, I think there's probably, there's probably a lot of things that went into it. And I think things needed to be reassessed after season seven and say, hey, I think you guys need more time. So I know you want six, but I think you should take 10 because it just felt fast. And those conversations have to be had. And sometimes they're not. And yep. sometimes there's too much pressure coming from the the executives. And so, and you don't want that either. So It almost makes you wonder that if the show had the same outcome or a really similar outcome, like Danny still becomes a, becomes a queen of ash, but she had like two whole episodes to really become dark and be betrayed instead of like half of one. Yeah. If you would just buy it more. You know, and I, I, there's so many, as we've talked about, you know, like there were signs and this and that, but like the way they did it this season and they kind of like forced it down your throat, that's what ruined the turn because Varys had been with her for what, four years, four seasons, never said a word like, you know, in the more difficult choices, I'm, I'm seeing some issues here. She's quick to violence. There was none of that. And then they just start jamming it through your throat with every scene with the guy. And it just didn't feel organic. And that's part of running out of time. But you also have to read that and be like, you know, okay, we got to do this in a different way. But there's there's so many characters to handle on this show. It's such a difficult task. I mean, what can you do? Yeah. Yep. It's, uh, it's a shame that everybody didn't love how it ended and just kind of examine that with what the actors put into it it's, it's kind of oh, sad these guys did a the actors all did a phenomenal job they should all be credited uh i'm sure this show's still going to get nominated for a bunch of emmys this year whether you know fans like it or not because some of the acting warrants it because if you can rise above some of the weaker sort of structural issues the season had and deliver some of the really dynamite performances that especially peter dinklage was was delivering I mean, you're you're gonna get nominated. God, Dinklage was just on another level. It was but awesome. man, it sucks to know that the last three episodes of the show just got panned by critics and the fans hated them. The show was like so universally loved and so well reviewed throughout its run, and then it just cratered right at the end. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, um, everybody talks like this is the last. Uh, appointment viewing television series there's going to be i'm excited to see what the next big series will be something will come along i don't think it'll be watchmen i think watchmen will be good but i don't think it'll be appointment television because watchmen it's a pretty niche well it's it's niche and this, the graphic novels elements, uh, so. hugely popular but it's hugely popular in comic book circles i mean the watchmen movie tanked at the box office and it's a br- i think it's a brilliant movie so I, I Watchmen just tanked. It did not do that well. No. I did not know that. Yeah, it did not make a lot of money. I thoroughly enjoyed that. It's a fantastic movie. So I, it's tough, you know. You, I guess you look, you read the tea leaves, and you see what's in development. But I don't really know of anything that they have that's going to be next level, like Sopranos, this True Blood, which was hugely popular for a while and then tanked. You know what they could do is um, what's that Stephen King novel that. 
they made that shitty Matthew McConaughey movie. About. Well, the Dark Tower is in development. I think at Amazon. Oh. Yeah. And they could they could crush that. They could make that incredible, if they give it the proper care and time, because you can't sell that novel short like that movie did. One day we'll do that movie. I have to be in the right headspace for that. I'm not watching that again. You don't even have to. I could riff on that for five hours, Good. how much I hated that Fair movie. enough. I'll just answer your questions. That was yeah. a tough watch. All right, so uh, next week, she uh, Can't Hardly Wait, not She's All That. I'll, we already did that. I'm not watching that again. So one more time, we'll do She's All That, the sequel. Can't Hardly Wait. He's All That. He, she's some of it. <laughs> she's she's <laughs> half of it. He, he's the other half. The uh, sequel's All That, the show on Nickelodeon. Yep. <laughs> So we'll do uh, Can't Hardly Wait, Trip McNeely, be a special guest. He's going to join us in the third segment, so be ready. Our watch be ready for a trip guest spot. And uh, so we'll see you next time.